Today's message is entitled Accountability. Don't be afraid of your answers. Accountability. Don't be afraid of your answers. Wow. Okay. Don't be afraid of your answers. And I know what does answers have to do with accountability? Well, it has everything to do with accountability. That accountability really has to do with your answers or the type of responses you give for the things that you do. Listen, a franchisor and a franchisee, so God, the franchisor, the kingdom, the franchisor, us, the franchisee, we become a partnership. When we enter into business together, we become a partnership. And wherever there, listen to this carefully, wherever there is a partnership, there will need to be accountability, all right? Period. Wherever there is partnership, there will need to be accountability. So you can carry that partnership over into a number of areas, business, family, work. You could, So we'll talk about that a little later. Here's the thing. Listen to this carefully. Whenever you do or say something, you are accountable for it. Whenever you do or say something, you're accountable for it. Whether you agree to that accountability or not, listen to what I'm saying. Whether you agree to the accountability, once you say it or once you do it, you are automatically accountable for it, regardless of whether or not you agree to be accountable for it. Are you, are you tracking? So in other words, the statement you make or the action you perform automatically makes you responsible for it, all right? As soon as your actions, listen to this carefully, as soon as your actions impact others, whenever you say something or do something that affects someone else, you're accountable for the good or the bad that's done to that person. And a lot of people say, well, I didn't know. I didn't. Well, you said it, you did it, you're accountable for it. Okay, now businesses, when we talk about our business, family business, we talk about being the franchisee. When you open a business, watch this, you have to file documents for licenses, right? You can't just say you're in business. You have to file licenses. And on those forms, you have to fill in information. You have to give answers, when we were filing for 501c3 or we're filing for something for the business, we have to answer the questions there. Now, the answers you give make you accountable. Are you tracking what I'm saying? So your business status, so let's say you file to be an LLC. Let's say you're a franchisee and you're, you're an LLC, which means you have limited liability in this corporation. So it is a limited liability. So you're accountable for the limited aspect of that business. If you're a nonprofit organization and you're a full-blown corporation, there's not a liability on an individual. So you are liable, you are accountable if you file for that. If you say you're sole proprietor, then you are solely accountable for, <laughs> for what you say and what you do, right? So if you default on a loan or if you default on a business transaction, 
you as the individual can still be held accountable for that. Are, are you tracking with what I'm saying? I'm trying to give you the, the for foundation and the basis for what we're going to launch from today. Now, listen to this carefully. There is no such thing as a Christian without accountability. I'm going to make that clear. There is no such thing as a Christian without accountability, period. So there, these Christians who say, you know, I don't need nobody. It's just me and the Lord. The Lord has designed the system, the kingdom, the business, the family business that all of us are to be accountable. So let's define accountability so that we're all clear. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Jerry. All of a sudden, I don't understand. All right, well, what is then accountability? What is accountability? And I like to say accountability instead of accountability. Accountability. So it you get the, the emphasis of it. This is accountability defined. Accountability is answers for one's actions. So in other words, you do an action. The accountability is your answers for that action. The accountability is not the action. The accountability is the answers you give. Now, in other words, it is the answers you give means you are taking responsibility for something. So if you say you're in the family business and you're serving God, and you're, let's say your business is I'm, I'm feeding the hungry. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing something for the, the prison ministry. Then you take responsibility for the prison ministry that you're engaged in. So if someone from that prison comes to you and says, uh, well, one of your prayer warriors who came in, came into the prison with a shank. No, okay, let me stop. With, with a knife or with something that wasn't legal. Your ministry is responsible and that prison will want answers from you and based on your answer will determine whether or not you are allowed to come back to the prison again. All right, so watch this. Accountability is answering Accountability is taking responsibility. Accountability, here's a good one. Accountability is owning, owning what you said, owning what you did with an explanation. That's what it is. That's what it is. Accountability is owning what you did, owning what you said with an explanation. So watch this now, because a lot of people say their answer is, what they said. My answer is what I said. No, I'm not asking you to restate what you said. I'm asking you to explain what you said. Ah, oh, God, I feel it now. Dana, I'm, I'm getting excited already. Listen, I, listen, we're not asking you to restate it. We're asking you to explain it. And the explaining of it lets me know whether or not you really have accepted responsibility for it. Oh my God. Have you ever had somebody say, I'm sorry. And then they just say, I'm sorry. And that's it. Or I'm sorry. You feel that way. Well, what does that mean? Right? My mom used to say, you're sorry for what? She, she wanted me to explain what I was sorry for because my explanation helped her to see or understand 
whether or not I really knew what I did wrong. Are you tracking? So accepting responsibility is a good explained answer to give account for your action. Are you tracking? Now, watch this now. Let's, 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 go, let's go to something here that I want to show you that I think is interesting. Let's look then at accountability and communication. There's a strong correlation of accountability with communication. And we're coming to the text right after this, so don't, don't, don't get lost yet. There's a strong correlation of accountability with communication because clearly I was saying that accountability has to do with how you communicate or how you give your answers or how you dialogue. Listen carefully. You can't have accountability without communication because at the core of accountability is explaining or answering the why. Remember, do you remember two weeks ago, I preached the sermon, start with your why, right? Start with your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you a Christian? Why are you serving God? So when you have a why, when you put a why out there or you start your race or journey serving God, you can't just offer the why. You must have an answer for why you do it. And we'll see that later. So accountability has to do with not only saying why I started the ministry, but I must be able to answer why I started the ministry. Explain why I started. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to feed the homeless. Uh, Okay, well, why do you want to do that? Explain to me. Every time I do a sermon, I must answer two questions. The first question is, what am I talking about? The second question is, what am I saying about what I'm talking about? So whenever I come to this text or come to the the text, I must ask, what am I talking about? And then what is it that I want to say about what I'm talking about? I just can't tell you Jesus lives. Well, why does Jesus living matter? Explain that to me. So that's what I'm trying to convey to you. So when words are exchanged, there is accountability that has to be had. So listen to what I'm saying. Whenever you have a dialogue, if you're having exchange of words, you are, you are uh, at that moment making yourself accountable for the words that come out of your mouth because you are accountable for what you say. Now, why is that important, uh, uh, Shanika? Because communication breeds truth. Oh, Answers mean I'm trying to get to the truth. Oh, wait a second. So wait a minute. So the action occurs. I must be accountable for it. The accountability means I have to have an answer. And the answer is what's going to lead to truth. Isn't that why investigators want to depose witnesses? What are the, 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 the deposit when, when you're in law, they, they issue you what they call interrogatories or they call them rocks, you know, which means they're questions. We send you a set of discovery questions and we're asking you questions and we want you to answer them. Why? Because your answers determine your level of accountability in this case. Oh my goodness. I hope you're getting this. The, the investigators depose people to ask questions to get to the truth. Now watch this. Conversely, people who don't want to tell the truth, what do they do? They get quiet. People who don't want to tell the truth get 
quiet. They stay away from people and they don't talk because they know talking too much will give them away. So what am I saying? Listen to me. People who are reclusive, people who do not wish to engage in conversations are usually people who don't like accountability. Ah, man. All right. Okay, you can benefit from this. So look, look at the drunkard. Let's say the person who has too much to drink. Most people, not everybody, most people who drink a lot, they become what? 100 talkers, right? They spill the guts. And you can find out a lot of things about people. So here we're trying to say that if your answers, your communication conveys truth, which holds you accountable, people who don't want to be accountable, what do they do? They go away. They find a place to be quiet. In other words, I'm just, I'm just doing me or I'm, I need to pray right now. I need, all your friends are asking about you. Well, what's going on? Meaning we're at, we're, we're coming to you because we're trying to hold you accountable for your life and you don't have answers for us. There's a problem with that. So the world wants answers, right? Whenever the world, something happens in the world, what happens? The world want answers. The Congress will set up an investigative committee to, to understand what has happened. The world want answers. Your job wants answers, right? If you call in sick, your job, if you call in sick more than three times, right? They can, your boss can be, hey, what's going on? I need a doctor's note. I need an answer to help me understand whether, how to hold you accountable for this money I'm paying you for not to come to, is this helping anybody? I'm trying to, now, now for those of you, for those of you who say we have a communication problem, I don't want to talk. Listen, even if you don't talk, your life will answer for you. Oh, you can't escape it. Remember I said, you're accountable not only for what you say, but you're accountable for your actions. So if you can't, communicate verbally the explanation for why you did or said that your actions, your life will be revealed to explain why you did it. Ah, Watch this. If you watch people closely, you can observe how they live and based on how they live, you can determine why they did some things. There are certain investigators or certain people with the FBI or with certain intelligence agencies, intelligence agencies that actually do nothing but study people. I used to love sociology and, and anthropology because it's the study of cultures. It's the study of people And so by looking at their lives, you can understand how they think and what the uh, ideology or thought process was behind that. So let's see where this accountability and communication comes. So I I want to be clear. Accountability is about communication. But if you think you can't talk, your life will tell on you. So let's just be clear on that. All right, let's go to the next point. Are you tracking? Are they tracking, Joy? Let me know if anybody, are they saying amen, anybody? All right. So here's a text. Here's a text that we all can't run from. 
Romans 14, 12. So then each one of us will give and here it is account of himself to God. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. All right. So there you are. There it is. Plain as day. So let me break that down for you because I want to give you some insight. Look at this. I've never seen this in the text before. I've never seen this. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, the word for account, this word right here, the word for account is actually logos, which means words. So the text would read, so then each one of us will give words from ourselves to God. Look at that. He said, I never saw this, that accountability has to do with what I say, my response. So the word is logos, which means speaking. It means talking. It means response and answers. So every one of us will have to give a response to God for us. I'll say that again. Every one of us will have to give a response to God for us. Now, Notice Jesus, listen to this, watch this, Shana. Jesus is the Logos. He is the Word. St. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know that God is the Word. Watch this now. It's the same word used in this text. The same word for account is logos, which God is. So Jesus is the accountability of all mankind. He is the expression of the response for everybody's life on the earth. God dog it. You're going to miss this. He is the response to every person's life. And so this is why, this is why when we stand before God as it relates to our sins, God the Father will ask us, say, well, what do you have to say for that sinful life? And we will refer to the Logos, Jesus, and say, he has the answer for that. (laughs) Jesus' death on the cross is the answer for our sins on the earth. Ah, boy, you're going to miss it. He is the ultimate accountable figure for all of mankind. All of our answers for our sin is in Jesus Christ. Oh man, I'll explain that to you in a minute. So the point is that each of us will have to answer to God for how we live in terms of our works. I'll explain that in just a minute. But here is a catch. Watch this now. Watch this, cousin Kevin. How you live on earth can significantly impact that accounting session for good or bad, all right? So watch this. When we stand before God to give an account for our lives, that's in the future. That's down the road. But while we're here on earth, how you live can have an impact on your accountability session for good or for bad. All right, let me let me let me unpack that. So in other words, while I'm living now, I'm not being judged. I'm not being judged now by God. I'll be judged at a later date. 
but how I live now will affect how my accountability session will happen when I get before the Father. Are you tracking with me? So this is not going to happen. Our accountability day isn't going to happen until we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All right. The judgment seat of God. So many now because that because we're not being held ultimately accountable and in judgment today, there's a difference between accountability and judgment. And we'll talk about that. But because I'm not being uh, judged by God today for my actions, people think you're getting away with it. No, accounting means we're keeping track. That's what that means. It means we're keeping every month. I have to reconcile the books. In other words, I keep a track. I put notes in the spreadsheet because every month I have to tally it. So all we're saying is at the end of your life, at the end of the time and the age, we all will stand before God and he will open the tally book. He will open the book and say, let me look at here is your accountability session. How you lived on earth will impact what that session looks like. Are you tracking? So let's say you're not much of a talker. Okay, well, well, how can you be held accountable? All right, you say you, you don't have much to say in heaven. Well, he's got video. He's got, he's got video. In other words, your life will tell on you. He can pull up a screen of your life and say, let's say you don't get up there. You can't explain it. I can't explain it, God. I don't know why. Okay, well, let me just put your life up on the screen. And he will put your life in front of heaven and unfold everything you did. And your lifestyle will hold you accountable. hmm. This is where our franchises come into play in the family business. I believe God intentionally, listen to this. God intentionally gives us things to do as franchisees to help us with our answers. Take a look at this. Let me let me show you this. All right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm giving you some juicy stuff. I hope you're taking notes. Let me explain this. Listen, the work that we do will speak for us on that judgment day. So let's talk about the work. When we talk about our franchise, We're talking about the work we do. So the text says each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So here it is again. I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, when you get before the judgment seat of God, each man's work, every woman's and man's work will be evident for the day will show it. In other words, it will be revealed. And the fire itself will test the quality of your work. Look at verse 14. If any man's work, which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. In other words, if the fire doesn't burn it up, then you'll receive a reward for the work you've done. If any man's work is burned up by the fire, then he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So you won't be burned up, you will be saved, but your works will mean nothing because they don't account for what God wanted them to account for. So let me explain this. On the judgment day, all of our works as franchisees will appear before the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person you fed, everything you said you did in the name of the Lord, Everything you you said you were going to do for God is going to appear before him. 
And our Lord is described in Revelation as having eyes like fire. So when the text says we, the, our, our, our works will be revealed and made evident, when the text says they will be evident before him, it means that his eyes of fire will look on our works and his gaze alone can either burn up or allow our works to stand. When, in other words, Jesus is going to look at your life and if it stands, if it doesn't burn up, bravo, kudos to you. If it burns up, that means all that work you did on earth meant nothing. The wolf, the three pigs and the wolf, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. If you build your house on straw, it's not going to stand. If you build your house uh, with sticks, it's not going to stand. One pig built it with bricks. That's what's going to stand. The Bible also says in the epistles, he says, some build, uh, do their work with wood, hay, and stubble instead of precious stone, silver, and gold. The wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up. But if you build your life being accountable, if you go through life communicating, talking to people, answering people's questions about why you do what you do when you get to your session, your stuff will stand. It will not be burned up. Look, oh God, I hope, you, I hope you're getting this. Our works, in other words, our works become our answers. So if our answers to life are good, then they become credits in heaven. But if our answers to life are bad, then we lose in heaven. We're saved, but our account is little. In other words, we don't get any crowns. We don't, we don't get any perks or benefits. We don't have crowns or rewards. You're saved, but your works don't get you any crowns. So you're there. You're in heaven. You get the mansion. And, that, and that's, that's a blessing. That's true. But you don't get the crown. You don't get the rewards. So every Sunday when I preach, every time I counsel somebody on the phone, every time I teach on the radio, every time I respond to someone's question, I am making sure my accountability session that my works don't burn up. Do you get what I'm saying? I want rewards. I want crowns. Paul said, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness because I've been faithful. He says a crown of righteousness. And he says to all of those who love his appearing. In other words, to everybody else who lives right and lives accountable, their crowns will be of righteousness will be there as well. So everyone who works in the family business is monitored by Big Brother. Do you know who Big Brother is? Everybody knows who Big Brother is. In other words, when you're on your computer at work, Big Brother is that on the network, people in the IT department can see the websites you go to. They can log into your computer and see everything you're doing. That's Big Brother. So I'm saying, to, God dog it, I feel him now. While you're living as a Christian, Big Brother is looking at your life. He knows. I used to say it all the time. When I was going to sin, I was thinking nobody knew uh -uh, Big Brother was right there. Do you know that God goes with you when you sin? Yeah. 
Do you know that Jesus is right there with you while you are sinning? How do I know that? Because he said, my name is Emmanuel. God is with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so what he does with, he doesn't override our free choice. He doesn't override our free will. We decide to sin and he lets us do it. And he hurts and he, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit and he, he has to grow us up, but he lets us go through it because big brother is always watching. Are you tracking? He sees everything. So even when we don't speak or pray or worship, he knows what our real answers are. He knows the difference when saints say, okay, how about this? How about this, um, baby sister? You know how when people come to church and say, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Big brother, no, you lying. <laughs> Big brother, no, you are not blessed and highly favored. You struggling right now. You haven't been living right and you struggling. And big brother knows it. But you don't want to be accountable. Isn't that true? You don't want to be accountable in church. So you tell all the saints, praise the Lord. I'm favored. God has been good to me. You lying. You are lying before big brother. And I'm telling you on your accountability session, you will be held accountable for it. You ain't been living saved for a minute and you just, you, you ain't, never mind. So now listen, so now that I've scared all of you, now that I, everybody going to drop off Henry G D D Damien, look, don't, don't, don't leave. Hold on. Hold on. So now that I've scared all of you, you may be sitting there asking, is there anything, Pastor Chair, you can, <laughs> you can tell me to help a brother or sister out? I, well, of course I can. I'm glad you asked. You know I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you all messed up and undefined. I like that. You don't be undefined. Let me show you this. Let me show you this uh, beautiful passage that I came across. Look at this text. So before I go to the next step, let me clear something up. The text says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The judgment that we receive is not based on our sins. The judgment we receive is based on what we have done in our bodies for the Lord. It is our works. So it is not that we're being judged for our sins. Our sins were judged on the cross already with Jesus. He paid the price for our sins. That price was death, but he didn't pay for our works. Hello. I'm going to say that again. Help me, my dear. Hello. He did not pay for our works. He paid for our sins but he did not pay for our works. Well, what does that mean? He did not pay for our franchisee works. He paid for us to be forgiven of our sins so we could get inside the franchise, but we must do the work. Somebody say, I got to do the work. And for those couples that are struggling and saying, well, we're just praying about it. I ain't praying with you because prayer by itself will not change the marriage. You have to do the work. 
You have to come home on time. You have to stop lying. You have to pick up your dirty clothes. You have to stop texting her or him. You have got to do the work. So you cannot sit here and say, well, I want to let, I want to help the homeless. I want to, I want to make clothes for people and say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. The Lord is waiting on you. He paid for your sins. He didn't pay for your works. So every day that you sit as a lackadaisical lump on a log, you are hindering your accountability session. Oh my God. So he freed us so we could serve him. And that's what we'll be judged for. The good or the bad that we've done in our bodies as it relates to our works. So judgment day is not going to be pretty for you if you don't do anything. If you have not done anything in your life, you cannot, you cannot experience the blessing of God in terms of rewards. All right. Now I got to move on. I got to move on, Joy. Let me, let me go to the next one. So let's talk about relationships are for accountability. Now this is juicy. You're going to need to take a picture of this or write these down. I'm giving you something good and I'm almost done, Danielle. Here I come. Look, relationships are for accountability. Make note of that. Relationships are for accountability. In order to prepare us, watch this. Oh, this is good. This is good, Sharita. In order to prepare us for our ultimate judgment day, watch this. I'm going to take my time with this. I'm going to take my time. In order to prepare us for the ultimate judgment day that we're going to face and be accountable, God pairs us with certain individuals and or groups on earth to hold us accountable. And in those groups and in those relationships should be a flurry of answers, dialogue, and exchange. Ah, God. Watch. Remember I said accountability is answers. It's communication. It's responding, explaining why you do what you do, why you said what you said. So in order for God to equip you for a good accountability session on Judgment Day, what does he do? He pairs you in relationships on earth to practice those answers, to go through your answers on earth. He, he, listen, he withholds judging you now so that you can have time to work on your answers before you get to judgment. He says, I gave you that friendship (laughs) to jack you up. I gave you that relationship to help you see the real you. (laughs) and you're blaming everybody else, but I'm trying to get you to be accountable for you, boo. Watch what I'm saying. If I'm not a talker, then my actions will be displayed in my friendships, in my relationships, in my coworker tendencies, in my uh, uh, Christianity. My actions, my life will be displayed and on reveal to others to hold me accountable. Listen, not for judgment. Listen, I'm not saying God gives these people to you to judge you. They give, he gives them to you to hold you accountable. In other words, to own it. He gives you an opportunity to be aware of what you're doing and what you're saying. 
In other words, he's giving you these relationships to bring it to light. Oh my God, this is good teaching. I hope, oh my God, listen to me. Listen, listen, this is not about judgment. Nobody is asking you to pair with people who have the, judgment means they have the authority to cast a ruling over your life. They don't have the authority to cast a ruling over your life. But they do have a relationship enough to hold you accountable. In other words, what does that mean? Explain yourself. Explain, Lucy. Explain. Explain it. In other words, they have a, a, an opportunity to be in your midst to explain it. That's all I'm saying. So God pairs us with people, relationships to help us work on our accountability so that when we get to judgment day... <laughs> God gives us relationships so that we can do better on our judgment type, judgment seat. So, so relationships are for accountability. And if that be true, then relationships are where you find answers. If you want to know who you are, if you want to answer or know why you said what you did or why you did what you did, ask a very good friend. <laughs> ask someone who knows you. I remember chief operations officer asked me, who was just a supervisor at that time, he asked me, he says, what do you think about my leadership style? And I was blown away by that. What are you, the COO, asking me what I think about your leadership style? Because what he was trying to do was get an objective person to hear what they're saying. Oh my God, because I knew him. I worked closely with him and he was interested in what I had to say. Don't shy away from people's criticism or critique. It can help you be a better person. Am I helping anybody? They, listen, your relationships are the hotbeds of communication in search of truthful answers. Those phone calls you make, those texts you make, the emails you send, the dialogues you have on the beach, riding in the car are all hotbeds of communication in search of answers for truth, which you can use to help your accountability. Why? So that when you stand before God to give account, he says to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant, not you blew it, dummy. It's all about answers. And if you're living in his will, you don't have to be afraid of them. That's all I'm saying. If you're serving God and you're answering the questions, you don't have to be afraid of answers. Some people are afraid to communicate because they're afraid of their answers. And I'm saying accountability is not about being afraid of your answers. Accountability is owning your answers. My God, preach, Pastor Cherry. Accountability is being confident in your answers. Even if they're the wrong answers, even if they weren't good Tell the truth. Get the answers out to your counselor, to your therapist. I'm not saying tell all your business to everybody. I'm saying tell it to the safe person you can tell it to because disclosing the truth to yourself, to your therapist, to your wife, to your friend, your best friend helps you realize what your issue really is and then you can thereby change it. It's all about your answers. Get 
comfortable with your answers. You will never be comfortable with your answers if you don't give any answers. I know the basketball world says you will miss every shot that you don't take. You will not ever make a basket if you don't take a shot. You will never grow from your mistakes if you don't answer the hard questions of why you did what you did. Why did I sin? Why did I lie? Why did I open that business? Did I do it for money? Did I do it for the the glamour, the fame? What was I doing it for? And once you answer those questions right, that's when you advance. Have you ever played the video game? Once you answer the questions right, then you can go to the next level. Some of you are stuck on bottom level one because you have failed to give the right answers. It's all about answers. The relationships, Wendy, hi, Wendy, and uh, hi, Wendy. Listen, the relationships are stair steps to God. They have hierarchy. Watch this. So your answers that you give, when your answers become correct, more correct, each time you grow and learn yourself more, they are stair steps to God. In other words, there is, listen, (sighs) The greater the level of maturity and intimacy you have with where you disclose your answers, the higher and closer you get to God because your accountability registers true. Mm. All right, let me explain. Let me give you this. So here we go. Watch this now. Accountability list. I'm giving you an accountability list. These are the people that you can use to help hold you accountable. These are the people God gives you in your life to hold you accountable. And I said, there's a hierarchy because we want to look at who's closest to God, who are we most intimate with, and what is their level of authority. I'll say that again. Who is closest to God? Who are we most intimate with in terms of close or who are we close to? And what is their level of authority? So when you look at your accountability list, the pastor should be on your accountability list. Why? Because your pastor should be close to God, should be, operative word, should be close to God. In other words, they should be the next best, best thing And through their preaching and through your relationship as a discipleship, you connect with that ministry. You develop an intimacy over time. My pastors who pastor me, I know them. I emailed, I have, I love them. I love my pastors. They, we had intimate relationships. We were close. We, I told him stuff that, man, I would, I, man, I could have been kicked out of the church, but that's how close we were. And The pastor should have a level of authority. This pastor has authority in the church to be able to make decisions to affect your life spiritually. So they're high on the list. Are you tracking? So then let me show you this. I got to move faster. I'm about to close. I got 10 minutes. Here it says, look at verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. In other words, remember your pastors. Pastors have authority in your life. 
And look at the text. Look at thir- Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will, here it is, give an account. They will give an account for the souls that they pastor. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean with joy and not with grief? When it's with grief, it means you don't have any answers for me. It means that you don't communicate anything. When it's hard to pastor people who never respond, it's hard to pastor sheep who won't take the instruction that the shepherd gives. It's hard. It's hard. It's a rough job. And then I have to go before God and give an account for where our church is, where our ministry is, what we didn't do and what we did do in the world on behalf of the kingdom. I have to give an account for that. And the Bible says, please, please obey your leaders and respect them. Be accountable to them. Answer their, what does that mean? Account, answer their questions, respond to them, communicate with them. Where are you in life? So that when he goes to give an account, I have an explanation Say, well, the reason why we didn't give 500,000 to this ministry or reason why we didn't uh, go visit the sick because we don't have anybody to go visit the sick or they are sick themselves or whatever. I have an explanation. But if I don't hear from you, I can't tell God anything. And then God doesn't look on us pleasingly. Is anybody tracking here? So pastors used to have authority and I know people don't respect us anymore. And I know people think we're all hypocrites and we jack legs and all we want is money. There are a lot of people who are, there are a lot of charlatans out there, but when you find a shepherd who is responsible for your soul and really cares for you, they carry a level of authority. I remember listening. I didn't make a decision without consulting my pastor I you um n- never mind y'all don't know nothing about that y'all don't know this old school this old school stuff we used to respect our pastor because we felt like God spoke to us through our pastors and the ministries we were a part of and so you want to have a special counseling session with your pastor when your pastor preaches fifty two weeks a year but you don't come online I didn't told you everything God was going to tell you in the counseling session. Never mind. Let's move on. I got to move on. Talking about accountability. So pastors accountable. Second, spouse accountable. Spouse. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, spouse accountable. (laughs) Ephesians 521. Pastors should be close to God. Your spouse should be close to God. You certainly should be intimate with her or him. And they should have a level of authority. Your spouse does have some say so. I don't care what nobody say. I don't, I'm independent. I'm my own boss. I'm telling you something. In the eyes of God, listen, account, your spouse was given to you for accountability. Your spouse ought to keep you in check. You should answer to your spouse. Your spouse should answer to you. They are the next person who you should have answers for. Next to your pastor. And remember, again, I only talk about closeness to God. Thinking a pastor's close to God, your next person on your list is your spouse. They should have answers for you, and you should have answers 
for them. Why? Because they meet the criteria of close to God, level of intimacy, and authority. Well, how do you know? All right, glad you asked. Here comes the text. Ephesians 5.21 says, and be subject to one another. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I like this. We are subject to one another. Look at this, Joy. We are subject to one another, girl. Look at this. What I'm saying is, and I like this. I'm going to digress for a minute. I'm going to go to the English. I'm going to go to the, the Western culture understanding of the term subject for a second. I like this. In one sense, as a noun, we are the subject of each other. I'm talking to you, Joy. We are the subject of each other, meaning we are the thing talked about with each other. You are my subject. I am your subject. If we look at our lives and we talk about, if we're placed in a sentence, we are the subject of each other's lives. You can't talk about me without talking about joy. You can't talk about joy without talking about me. Do you get what I'm saying? We are the thing discussed. We are the thing dealt with. Secondly, we are conditioned to one another. In other words, I'm conditioned to you. In other words, what I do impacts you. I'm accountable to you because what I do and say directly impacts you. So we are conditioned to one another, meaning we are dependent upon one another. We work with one another. So when you do something, it affects me. So if it affects me, guess what? You're accountable. Explain. It is to be under subject in the, in the original language. Uh, in this Greek, in Ephesians, means to be under one's jurisdiction. It means to yield to one another's admonitions. In other words, and I know the Bible says, it says later, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your church. But the first verse there in 21 says, be subject to one another. In other words, let there be a mutual level of respect. Before you go talking about submit to me, woman, or I'm the head, let there be a mutual level of respect that whatever we do in this household, we know that we are in this together. Why? Because I told you, partnership means accountability. Oh, that's all right. Okay. Y'all going to play this tape for your spouse. I know you're going to do that. All right. Look here. Let me go to the next one. Let me add this. Number three, I got to move fast. I got to go. Look, number three is family. First pastors, then your spouse, then your family is next in line in terms of intimacy and authority. Are they close to God? Are you intimacy, intimate with family? Of course, you love your children. Yes. Do you have authority? Is there authority elements in the family? Of course there are elements. Father, mother, parent, child. Yes, we are to have answers. And where there is a family, let me tell you something. You can't be in this family and you don't have an answer. You can't live in this house and you don't have an answer for where you've been. You cannot be in this family and you can't explain why you said what you said or did what you did. You can't come in this house and smell like weed and not answer for why you smell like weed. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? In the family, there is a level of accountability that I have an intimate relationship with you that nobody else has, and I can hold you accountable. I don't have to judge you. I don't have to give you the, the law, the rule, but I do hold you accountable. Why do I say that? Look at this. All right, let me give you this. Look at the text. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 and 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
The Bible says this is the first promise that comes with reward. This is the first command that comes with promise. In other words, if you obey your parents, your days shall be long on the earth. So he says, be accountable. So what is it saying? It's ultimately saying, be accountable in the family. Kids, be accountable to your, to your parents. The Bible later says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. So parents, don't do stuff intentionally to get your children riled up. Notice it doesn't say anything about siblings necessarily or extended family. We're not talking about cousins. We're not talking about your, your ancient relatives over here. We're talking about the immediate family, the family that is the, the, the family that you were grown up in, all that other family, the where you came from, they do not have the level of intimacy and authority to have that level of accountability at this level. They come later down the line. I'll show you where they come in, but this is not the place. So you say, well, I'm going to call my mama. I'm going to call my sister. I'm going to call my brother. Wrong. Time out. This is the family. God dog it. So you keep calling people outside the family. Stop calling people outside. The family is where it's accountable. Work it out inside the family. There's a, I'm telling you, God gave you that unit to hold you accountable. Your answers are in the family. Stop going outside the family. I got to go. I, move, move, PC. I got to go. I got to hurry up. Dana's never going to come on again. He's not going to listen to me anymore. Look at, look at number four. Number four is coworkers. Coworkers. Um, uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 5, and 9. Ephesians 6, verses 5 and 9. Now, these are people we spend a lot of time with. We spend a lot of time with them and their authority impacts our lives significantly. Now watch this. Why do I say level of closest to God, how that job fits in God's plan, intimacy. We spend 40 plus hours with these people a week. That's more than we spend with our family. So their level of intimacy a lot of times can be higher than our own family's extended family. So that's what I'm saying, right? So they're down beneath your nuclear family, nucleus, uh, the, the family that you're born into. But then these coworkers have a greater level of influence because you spend the most time with them and your boss could jack up your life. Your boss could fire you, which impacts your economics, which impacts your relationship. In other words, your place of work can impact what you do in your family. All right, so watch this then. Let's go to Ephesians 5, 6, 6, uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 5. Slaves, now this is a term just as slaves, it's the term used back then, but we could use it interchangeably for worker, employee. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear, and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. God gives us bosses to help show us where we are at fault. He gives us bosses to help us know where to change. And then look at this verse. He says also, and masters. So not only for employees, but bosses. I'm telling you, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So all I'm saying is, folks, that God gives us these relationships at work to be able to know how to grow and how to change. As an employee, respect your boss. As a boss, respect your employee and allow that relationship to be a developmental tool to change your life for the better. And why did it say that in that second verse? It said, because 
all y'all's bosses is up in heaven and he's going to hold all y'all accountable. So he gives us a job to help hold us accountable. I like having one-on-ones with my employees because it gives me a chance to evaluate them and point out the areas where they are doing well or where they are failing. I even like to fire people because it helps them know that this is not the field or the industry that they are best in. I will, listen, I don't just fire you. I give you an exit interview, meaning I will explain, there it is, I will be accountable for my actions of firing you by explaining why I'm firing you. And hopefully from that explanation, you learn that you're not good at this and you go find you another job. I'll give you a reference if you need it, but this is not the field. Is anybody tracking? I got to move. I'm running out of time. Go PC, go, go PC. Here it is. We're running up to the last of the list. Number five, believers. Believers or friends are people you can connect with or be accountable with. Other believers, notice they come down below family, coworkers, spouse, and pastors. Other church folk, that ooh, church folk be the first ones to try to tell you how to live. Oh, get off this PC. Boy, you're going to get in trouble. So other believers that we are intimate with, aren't we intimate? I got Christian friends. I love them. I talked to one this week. I, lo- I talked to a couple of them. I love them. I'm intimate with them. And I have to be accountable to them. They have less authority in my life, but we can hold each other accountable. Why? Because the text says, In Galatians 6, verse 1, he says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. In other words, we are to hold other believers accountable. When we see people doing something wrong, he says, you who are spiritual, hold them accountable. Restore such a one, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. But in the body of Christ, we are to hold each other accountable. But I want you to see where we are down on the list. I want you to understand there's a whole group of people who are checking me before... (laughs) before I get to the church folk. The church folk have less authority. Sometimes the boss has more authority to jack up my life than the people, the the co-believers in the church. Not the pastor. The pastor's at the top of the list. But people at my church, my people in the church, don't let people dictate to you how to, God, you're going to miss this, man. I got to move. The people, the friends, people that you're connected to. Here it is, number, number six, others. Let's get to others. First Peter 3, 15 and 16. People you don't know, strangers who walk up. Did you know you're, you're accountable to strangers? You're accountable to strangers. You even got to give an account. God's going to say, what you going to do? What you got to say about the person you walked by and didn't do nothing for? Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus is going to say, I need to know how are you going to, listen, how are we intimate? How do they roll in our life? How do they have authority? How are they close to God? Because they fit in God's plan. Look at the text. The text says here, he says, look at this. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Watch this. Always being ready to make a defense or give an answer to everyone who asks you to give. What is it? An account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, he says. And then verse 16 says, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame.
saying. In other words, correct your life. When strangers see you, number one, have an answer for them. Why don't you smoke? Why don't you cut up and cuss and act like a sailor no more? Why don't you go out and act like a whoremonger? Do you have an explanation? Why do you feed the hungry? Why do you go out? Why do you sacrifice your life every week to go out to this ministry and do this? You spend too much time with the church. You just, you just do too much, you know? And there's too much Jesus. Give an explanation. I do cat dog it. I do it because of what God has done for me. He's been too good to me for me to sit at home week after week and knowing there are hungry people out there and I've got extra food or extra money and I don't lend, uh, extend a hand to help them give an explanation to people. And he says, do it in a way so that when they do talk bad about you, they'll be put to shame. In other words, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. You are accountable to strangers whether you like it or not. People are watching you whether you like it or not. And one day somebody's going to come up to you and ask you why you do what you do and you didn't even know they were tracking you. Here's the last one, y'all. This is the last one. Number seven is you are accountable to yourself. You got to tell yourself the truth. Somebody say amen. amen. James says in 1, and 25, we are to be accountable to ourselves and have answers for ourselves. Please stop lying to yourselves, folk. Please stop telling yourself lies. Please stop deceiving yourselves. You are not all that in a bag of chips. You are not God's gift to the earth. You have flaws, you arrogant something. You are conceited and over the top, and you think that you're so delicious. You are not. You are repulsive at times, and you need the grace of God on your life and a dose of humility. God has called all of us to humble ourselves and to be thankful for the goodness and the grace of him allowing us to serve. So before you treat yourself as inferior or superior over someone else, get a grip, man. Get a grip, woman. But for the grace of God, you too would be homeless on the street begging for food. I got to wrap this up. Here James says right here in 1, 22 and 23, he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own self. For if any man be a hearer, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He says, for he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was, meaning there is nothing to remember about you. There is nothing reflective. When I walk away from the mirror, it looks like it wasn't nothing there in the first place. The, the last verse says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not for a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And you see that? The work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. And I'm telling you, make sure your doing and your hearing line up with God's will. Make sure your doing and your hearing line up with God's will. Because when you stop lying to yourself, when you start 
holding yourself accountable. Listen, you do it because you're selfish. You do it because you got an issue with rejection. You do it because you were hurt in the last relationship and all you're doing is hurting other people. And you have to stop blaming other people and saying, well, the Lord is going to help me. The Lord is not going to help you until you own it. You have been placed in these relationships. He's given you insurance to go to therapy. He's given you good friendships and families to support you and you are responsible. There's no reason you're still stuck in that place talking about that issue that happened 20 years ago when these relationships God gave you can hold you accountable, meaning you can have answers there. You can practice your answers for the good of God to change your life so that you can move to the next level and serve him and use your gifts the way he called you and created you to do so. That's all right. Don't say amen. I got to close. Here's my conclusion, but I hope you got the gist of it. Accountability or judgment. Which one do you fear the most? Note the reason for accountability is to issue a ruling on the action or the statement. The reason for accountability, folks, is so that a judgment can be given. People are deposed so that we can get information, take it to court, so the judge can make a ruling. The reason for accountability is that we can be in a good position when the ruling comes down. All of our life and our living and our relationships help us get our evidence and get our case right. We are lawyers in the earth. We are uh, paralegals in our own right. We are all preparing our case before God's judgment seat. And we want all the pleadings to be right. We Look, you can tell I've been to court. Bless the Lord. You Have mercy, Jesus. All of our pleadings, we want everything lined up right. We want our support cases so that when we stand before God, the judgment is favorable. Not We don't want to be judged negatively. We want to be judged positively. But not everyone, listen, we're here to be held accountable, not judged. Only God can judge you. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. So when we live our lives as we should, we shouldn't be afraid of our answers. Why? Why, Cynthia? Because people can't judge us. This one, don't be afraid of your answers because people can't judge you for it. They can hold you accountable, but they can't judge you. So the more mature we become, the more open our lives should be. The more I learn about me, the more I should be expressive with my answers. In other words, I'm less afraid to communicate. We want people to see into us so they can turn to see God in us. Do you get it? The more we see us, the more we grow in us, the more God becomes revealed. Revealed. And the more we have answers for us or the more we have answers for God. So don't confuse accountability with judgment. God didn't give us relationships to be judged by them. You got it twisted, boo. And you keep leaving relationships and acting up in relationships because you're mad that people have judged you. Right. You're right. They shouldn't be judging you. They can hold you accountable, but they cannot judge you. Accountability means explain. Judgment means I'm giving a ruling on you. You can't rule on me. Only God can rule on me. Listen, 
We are in these relationships to practice our answers. We do homework, don't we, to practice our answers, Tia. We do homework to practice our answers before we get to class. I used to rehearse my speeches to practice my recitation before I stood on the stage before hundreds. When I do my sermon, do you know last night in the bathtub, I was going over my sermon. I was practicing this speech. I was practicing this message. Why? So that when I deliver it, the judgment or the accountability is favorable for me. I didn't miss it. I didn't have a whole lot of oops. I didn't skip a lot of stuff. I changed the slides in the right place. The music comes on. I practiced yesterday. I did a live session yesterday. I practiced it. I go through it. I'm telling you, live your life in practice. Get your life changed. Use the people in your life to be better. I remember knowing someone. I knew someone who lied. I knew, I saw him. I saw him do it. I saw, they didn't know I saw him, but I saw him do it. And I asked them for the answer. I was holding them accountable. I went to them and I said, tell me the truth. I can't judge them, but I can hold them accountable. I said, tell me the truth. And they said, no, they, no, they, they just lied again. They lied again. They said, I said, you sure? I said, you sure you don't want to try again? <laughs> <laughs> and they just lied on. Say, I couldn't judge them. Nothing I could do, but I held them accountable. That means give people the opportunity to change and grow. That's what accountability is. Not judging them, but giving them room to change and grow. You can lie all you want to, but I'm going to ask you again next month something else. And I'm going to see if you, God dog it, if my life is changing. If they don't confess it to you, maybe they'll learn it another way. But it's never our place to judge. It is never our place to cast a ruling on people. If they lie to you, let them lie to you. Let God deal with them. To judge means to issue a punishment. We don't have that right. And nor do we have the right to give them a reward. By the same token, I can't put you in heaven. I can't bless you. I ain't got nothing for you. So don't try to impress me. I'm not here to applaud you all day. Even the praise from others should not give us our self-esteem. Only good praise comes from God. Your self-worth can never be based on man's praise. It must be based on what God says about you. Some of you are fluttering around like a dead-winged bird because somebody won't affirm you. I'm telling you, whether they affirm you or not is irrelevant. They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. Only God can give you the praise. He can put you in heaven or he can put you in hell. All of our relationships and life opportunities on earth are equipping us for judgment day. And as we pay the price to serve in God's kingdom as his franchisees, we mustn't think that we won't be held accountable for the lives that we touch or we hurt. Yes, I'll say that. You think just because you're doing God's work, you ain't hurt nobody. I'm telling you as a pastor, I have hurt people. I have hurt people. I have misjudged people. I have misread people. I have misunderstood the saints and I have made bad choices. But because I know God holds me accountable, I made some changes. I apologized where I needed to. I corrected behaviors I needed to change I am not 
not perfect, but what I'm trying to do is allow those bad experiences to be my tutors, to be my chats, my, my, my tracking of accountability to help me be better so that on judgment day, my works will stand and will not burn. So I conclude with this admonition, become a franchisee owner, if not for the service of it, y'all, but for the growth opportunity of it. In other words, start something for the Lord because that's the vehicle God uses to change you. In other words, don't just do it because the Bible, because pastor said do it. Do it because this becomes a, a franchise that God uses to hold you accountable. The job you take, the people you meet, the new experiences you go after, all of those things are opportunities that God can use in your life. Don't be so mad because you got some ornery person in your life. That ornery person could be showing you something about your honoriness, and you are upset because you see you. I got to move on. When I work with, listen, when I work with others, it increases my opportunity to change. And the more I'm involved in, the more God can use to help me better my life's answers. And that's all God wants to do is help you come up with better answers. So I hope that I scared all of you a little bit, but mostly encouraged you not to be uh, afraid of your answers. Don't be afraid of your answers. Practice your answers. If your wife asks you a question, where were you? Say, give me a second. Let me think about it. Write it down on a three by five card. They are telling. Your answers are telling indeed, but they lead to life eternal with a God who wants to reward you graciously for your faithful labor and living on earth. I am PC. I'm not perfect. And I hope that my answers today will help you move forward for your judgment day to come. I'm PC. That's all I got. God bless you.